Welcome to the Future of Dermatology podcast. The next episodes are excerpts from a residency panel that we did last year with doctors Kathy Fields, Greg Morganroth, David Murat, and Jason Hawks. And we asked them various questions about the field of dermatology, their journey, and any advice that they might have. We divided these up into four sections so that each one can be focused on a specific topic. The first episode will be on um, what we call the love and hate parts in the field of dermatology. And we asked all speakers to provide valuable insight into being a dermatologist and what they love and hate about the field. The second part is about their journey and the drive uh, into what led them to where they are now in each of their careers. The third portion is on the financial considerations and negotiating salaries, an important one, especially for earlier career physicians. The fourth one is on prioritizing and balancing a, a fulfilling life, which is arguably maybe the most important portion to listen to. So thank you for joining us. So if you're okay with it, we'll go ahead and start with our with our first question. And um, it has to do with sort of what drove you, and some, some already touched upon this, but what drove you to where you are now? Sort of the journey of where you started? Was it uh, right where you are now or somewhere completely different and the setting you've picked and I guess what the be best benefits are. Kind of a general question, but uh, I think it's just getting to the point of, because I know all of us are doing a very different thing. We're all dermatologists, but we're actually doing very different things and sort of what motivating factors drove us to it. And I'm guessing we're all pretty happy with those choices, <laughs> but just to kind of speak on that. And if it's okay, we will go with the same, same order. We'll start with Dr. Fields. And yours, yours is very interesting, right? With all the different different things that you do. Well, I started um, right out with Tromovich and Stegman. Is there anybody on this table that recognizes those names? Tromovich, thank God. Good, thank God, Greg, you're good. Uh, for those in the, the bleachers there who don't know them, they took you from acne and warts cosmetic dermatology. So without Sam Stegman and Ted Tromovich, who wrote the book back in the late, uh, well, early 80s, um, there we wouldn't be doing all the fun things we're doing today. So they really emancipated us and brought us into a whole new world and uh, with a lot of respect. So I joined them right out of residency. Uh, unfortunately, Sam Stegman had HIV and he uh, became blind. And so I took his position um, and he was angry about it. So he kept trying to come in, but he couldn't see what he was trying to do. Uh, so it was a very strange period. And about uh, three years later, uh, uh, Ted Tromovich committed suicide. So I joined a group because you want to see how the masters do it. You want to learn from the very best. And so there is limitations to residency. Residency, you know, you're in all kinds of different hospital situations, clinic situations, nursing situations. And it isn't really reality in a private practice world. So unless you rotate through Kaiser, which I did when I was at Stanford, uh, you may not have a clue what that's like. So it's important to uh, go and experience different practices and, and see what you like and where you are happy and comfortable. So I joined a group. Um, there was a lot of death and suicide. And then we regrouped. And then after that, um, I went ahead with Katie and we reinvented Proactive. Uh, Rick Logau was very annoyed with that. He became the new leader of the group. 
And so I left the practice. At the time, I was pregnant in with preterm labor, and I started my own show by myself at 2100 Webster. That's called Courageous. And it was the best thing I ever did um, because now I understood practice. I understood overhead. I understood nursing and staffing and uh, the bottom line. And I felt confident enough to be able to do it myself. At the same time, I went off all insurance, which is quite shocking in 1997. So it was cash only. Very also courageous move. None of my associates were doing anything like that. But I kept my rates very, very reasonable. And my patients found me because uh, Rick had blocked me from getting any access to my patients at all. But patients are very smart. <laughs> and that was before internet. Um, and I have never looked back. It was been wonderful. Vic Narakar, if you know his name, I hope, Laser Jack, we'll call him, um, soon after joined me. And um, we were associates. In fact, we had a handshake arrangement for the like 15, 18 years that we were together. Unfortunately, he passed away in 19 of a massive heart attack. And uh, so private practice is what I did, and I loved it. Um, and I got to practice my way, uh, which means I could more or less be a mom. You know, I have uh, had an assistant at home, but I was able to run home. I was close enough to work for the emergencies, and uh, and things worked out because you have to manage. You have a lot of responsibility uh, if it's your practice, but uh, with good good uh, accounting and a team around you, you can do it uh, easily and really enjoy the process and really enjoy your patients because the schedule is mine. If I want to cut out at four o'clock, I do. If I want to stay late and do another surgery, I can. So uh, that sense of freedom is uh, is really what I've I've enjoyed for over these forty years. Thank you, Kathy and Dr. Morgan Roth. Kathy, I'll just say that you you're one of the few fortunate dermatologists that really was able to spend time with some of the true luminaries of our specialty. I just uh, you know, there's just I'm, I'm thinking today of who we look up to and who uh, sort of uh, you know sort of sets standards for us, and 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 they're 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 great, but they're just not the Tramovich and Stegman and Logau and Narukars. Uh, of our of our generation, so you should be very very proud of your history. Anyway, um, I, I didn't uh, have a chance to uh, talk about my background. I, I went to Michigan for undergrad med school, did my internship at Penn, did my residency at Yale, did my fellowship with uh, a guy named Glenn Goldstein, who uh, I was his first fellow, and so he um, didn't really know what to do with me. He was doing about four mows in the morning, which was sort of what was happening back then in the early 90s. And um, I, I kept like saying, well, we should be doing more. And because there was so much free time, I was allowed to spend my afternoons with vascular surgeons, plastic surgeons, facial plastic surgeons, ophthalmic plastic surgeons, doing surgeries with them. So I was one of the first dermatologists to really have a true multidisciplinary training in dermatologic surgery. After that training, and after I had helped my uh, fellowship director get up to 10 cases in a day, um, I decided that uh, I was uh, interviewed for a number of academic positions, but didn't feel it was a right fit for me personality-wise. And so I decided to, uh, to go into private practice. And you know, something that I always encourage my, my fellows, I train up to two fellows a year in derm surgery. My current fellows are 
or one was from UCSF grad, the other one's a Northwestern grad last year. Um, you know, I always encourage people to uh, think about all the hard work you've done to get into medical school, to get into your internship, to get into your dermatology residency. If you've done a fellowship, you know how much hard work there's been. That one should always try to uh, use those skills and continue that fight to be the best you can be and to create the best opportunity for yourself. And for me, that was private practice. I could have gone back to Detroit, where I'm from, where my parents said, boy, there's a six-week wait list here for Mo's surgery. Uh, but I thought I enjoyed the weather, and I like to ski and windsurf, and San Francisco is one of the few places where you can do that on the same weekend. So I came to San Francisco without a job um, and ended up taking a locum's position at uh, uh, Sunnyvale Clinic, which is now Palo Alto Medical Foundation. And I spent five months doing general dermatology. Really, they let me do one or two most cases a month. And I spent five months doing that because I wanted to see if I liked the area. So I sacrificed the first uh, very beginning part of my career to not do what I was trained to do and ended up uh, getting a few job offers. And I took one in Mountain View and I still am in the same office that I joined back in 1995. So, um, as I mentioned, I uh, became a partner. I was always uh, more surgically oriented than the average dermatologist in the area. And I was very involved in teaching at the Mohs meetings, and ASDS. In fact, there were times where I was giving seven or 10 lectures in a single meeting. And um, as, uh, as time evolved in private practice, which I've been very happy in, I noticed there was a change, and Kathy may understand this as well, the dermatologists became much more uh, surgically oriented. The dermatologists were learning to do Mohs surgery on their own. That dermatologists who were not previously surgically oriented were hiring their own Mohs surgeons. The uh, interactions in the hospitals, the social events, the meetings, the golf tournaments, the parties start, started to go away. There was a uh, ex expansion of uh, Kaiser expansion of the HMOs, uh, UCSF and Stanford were expanding. And so they put pressure on me as a referral Mohs surgeon in terms of what am I going to do as I see the future of referral dermatology in this area fading away. So out of the blue, one day, a dermatology group of, of six uh, uh, female dermatologists approached me and said, we We'd like you to buy our practice. We like, you know, sh uh, interacting with you and surgery referrals and it's become harder to run a practice. And we uh, think that uh, you sort of know what you're doing and I'd like to, um, we'd like to join you. And I said, well, I said, sounds like a great idea conceptually, but like here I am a referral doctor. If I merge with you, my referring dermatologist won't send me cases anymore. And Dr. Colby responded, well, uh, you know, what percentage of your referrals do we represent? And I sort of told her, and she said, well, if you don't buy us, we're either going to hire our own Mohs surgeon or we will sell to a Mohs surgeon. So I said, well, okay, now you have my attention. Let me get back to you. So I met at my house with my uh, outside sort of uh, consultant who now sold her business and joined CSI in about 2015 and our outside billing consultant. And I said, I, I have, I've been approached. I've been approached by a group of dermatologists to, to buy them. They would work for me. And they said, well, um, we don't recommend you do that. It's very hard, especially in California, to 
buy practices, employ doctors, and actually make you know a profit, make it worth your while. And I said, well, my, my goal isn't to make money on the doctors. My goal is to treat the doctors really well, and then but to you know retain the most referrals and get the other cosmetic surgery referrals they might not have sent me before because they were afraid of losing their patients to me for Botox and other things. And so they said, well, no one's really ever done that before. This is back in 2007. And so I said, well, that's what I like to do. If you don't have any objections, uh, let's just do that. And so that merger occurred, which was a pretty big deal because dermatologists merging practices really were not happening at that time, certainly not in Silicon Valley. And then, as I mentioned, purely by word of mouth, uh, dozens of other practices joined me. And so the entire network around the Bay Area, which seems like I strategically planned an office in each location actually really came about because in every city there was someone that wanted to join me and came to me. And so as the practice became larger, uh, I began to realize, well, we could add plastic surgery to do the things that I don't do. We could add dermatopathology. And I was always focused on the highest quality and highest caliber people. And then what happens with any larger business is that as you grow, you get better at compliance, you get better at marketing, get better at all these things. But at the same time, you sort of have to grow a little bit more. So that's sort of been the story of the practice that it's really run just like it was run in 2007. It's just a bigger version. And uh, I, I love the um, practicing medicine. I think I'm one of the only you know owners or executives in a large dermatology practice that has not completely sold out to private equity, that still works full time and takes care of patients. All of my peers have they don't even work or they're retired who sold their big practices or they just work a half day a month. So I love um, the business of medicine. I love first and foremost being a doctor and taking care of my patients and making a difference in their lives. And I like being involved in the marketing and the business development, all the things that are exciting about uh, being a doctor. And so I'm very happy with where I've been. And I, like I said, I uh, just talked to so many people and looked at so many practice, some of which I purchased, some of which I didn't. Uh, people have joined me from Kaiser, from Sutter, from Stanford, from uh, recently uh, UC Davis. Paul Hosley was a great guy. So, I mean, this is I've really ha have a little insight. I've never worked at Kaiser nor at Sutter, except before Sutter was really a big entity. Um, I, 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 I see whatever other people have in their opportunities, and they're all great, by the way. Like, you can't go wrong with any of these options. It really becomes a personality fit. And I think really what you want, how you view yourself five or 10 years from now. And again, because I think that each of these opportunities presents a different pathway. In the end, you'll have enough money. You'll have a happy life. Your children will be fine. You get to travel, have a home, maybe a second home if you want. None of these options are going to limit your ability to be a success. So it really comes down to personality and what you, how, how you view yourself. I, I mean, I actually like to echo that that particular point. You know, um, you know, we're we're dermatologists and we're lucky to be so. And our ability to um, generate an income, no matter where you go or what you do, is going to be there. So, you know, as as far as the financial part, that that really is almost set, no matter where you go. I think another point um, that that was well taken is. You do have to kind of see what fits you the best. I mean, I, I joined Kaiser because it's a large group practice. And realistically, uh, I was uh, almost 40 years old when I joined Kaiser simply because uh, the years of payback I had to do for the military. And I wanted something where, again, I could come in 
see my patients, and then go home. Now, that sounds really easy. It's not as easy as it sounds, but in essence, that's what I kind of was able to do. Um, at the time, I already had um, two daughters, and my wife was pregnant with a third daughter. Um, so other than my dog, there's no other boys in this household. So, um, you know, but, but I wanted to be able to spend time with them. That was kind of one of the important points with me is I wanted family time. And I knew at 40, if I was going to go start a business and run a business, do a practice or, um, you know, go out in a small group or solo, it was going to be a little bit difficult for me. And after looking at over all of the, the particular um, benefits from different groups and different options that I had, Kaiser was kind of going to be my best fit given my situation. Uh, honestly, I mean, again, it sounds like everyone's very happy with the decisions that they've made and that's, that's terrific. And I'm happy with the decision that I made. Um, I'm going to be 60 and I'm now retiring. And the, the beauty is, um, I can do it because of the benefits that Kaiser has, especially in retirement. Um, you may not make as much as other people in private practice or even some other groups to start with, but uh, if you can get to the finish line, for sure, you're, you're going to be taken care of. Um, uh, when I look at the the package that they offer, especially in retirement, it's it's fabulous. And that's part of the reasons, I, I, again, I did join Kaiser. Uh, an, another point I want to make, too, is you do have to find something that fits. Um, we're dermatologists. We can kind of do this anywhere. Um, and really, the group of people that you're with is really going to determine sort of your your day-to-day -day happiness. Um, I in South San Francisco, I mean, I can't speak for every facility everywhere in Kaiser, but in South San Francisco, we got an exceptional group of dermatologists. Uh, we've got people from, you know, Stanford and Henry Ford and a few other places, and they're great people to work with. Uh, but they're not just great dermatologists. They're also um, kind of an extended family for me. And, you know, one of the things is uh, uh, I since I was chief, I was able to hire the individuals that are currently at our practice. And I'm, you know, ex again, not just great dermatologists, but great people where we, we go out to lunch together, we go on vacations together. So, you know, as a group, we have that ability to really sort of have a extended family. And, and again, that makes the, the practice of dermatology even better because not only, you know, are you sort of satisfied as far as your uh, work experience goes, taking care of the patients and doing all that stuff. But the people you're working with are a real joy to be around. And that's, that was an important factor for me too. I don't, you know, one of the worst things I could think of is getting up every day, going to work and looking at these people and going, my God, I can't stand any of them. You know, it would just be really tough to sort of practice, uh, you know, my, my skills in a situation where uh, the people I was working with, you just don't get along with. And I've been exceptionally lucky that I've been able to get along with them. So, you know, realistically, that that was one of the other big reasons. I, I mean, not only that I joined Kaiser, but I stayed with Kaiser is I really had a great situation that I was in. And um, even now, again, retiring, it's really hard to leave all of that. And one of the hard things to leave is knowing that, you know, I won't be seeing these individuals on a daily basis. So, um, you know, again, you, you, when you look for a practice, the compensation will be there. The benefits will typically be there. All of that stuff is available. Being in dermatology, I mean, I, I literally say, thank God every day I'm a dermatologist. But, you know, realistically, do pick a situation that's going to work for you. 
Um, you know, if you're one of those people that says, hey, look, I need to do this on my own. I want to do it my way. You know, if you want to be the Frank Sinatra of dermatology, excellent. Then go do that. If you're kind of the person like me that says, hey, look, you know, I'm probably not as busy business savvy as a lot of other people. I, I don't really want to run the business. I just want to do the patient thing. You know, Kaiser worked for me. And, and again, the other thing that I really enjoyed uh, in my career is I got to do different things. So I get to do recruiting. I'm, the, you know, a chief. I, I get to be on different committees. Um, you know, I, I'm mostly medical surgical derm. I don't really do very much in cosmetics. We have people in our department who do. That's just not my thing. Uh, so the, the beauty is I, I get to do, you know, as much medical surgical derm as I want. And I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it because, you know, having that, you know, now, again, I don't think it's going to be as flexible as some other people's situations, but, you know, over time, it's flexible enough that I really don't feel like I haven't been able to grow into my career. So again, just the points, pick a place that's going to work for you, pick a situation that's going to work for you, because again, the odds on favorite is you're going to be doing it for a long time. And I always tell people, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So you really want to get into a situation that that's going to be sort of optimal for you. Um, you know, and, and of course, today, I'm hoping that choice would be Kaiser. But again, there's a lot of other situations out there. Do what's right for you, because again, you're going to be doing it for a long time. Thank you. Dr. Hawk. And so I'll, I'll take a slightly different uh, angle on this. So I think one, I'll just say that, you know, it's it's really the flavor that resonates with you that uh, it just, the practice types that we're talking about are so different, right? So, you know, developing a skincare product has a very specific activity associated, you know, running a practice or training most fellows or being in a system like Kaiser Sutter, they, they all have just pros and cons. And, and I think to trainees, I always just explain that um, you're going to get a presentation of the best parts of all of these models. And you really need that balance because you know, for every, every happy dermatologist in these different groups, there's somebody that's been in that system that wasn't happy. And, and that's true for, for the university systems. Like we're no exception to that. And and I think the point is, is that it doesn't make those systems right or wrong, but it means that there may have been a mismatch between values, between that individual and that practice environment. And so I think it's really important to, to have some really honest feedback, you know, from individuals that have been in, you know, different groups or different scenarios. I have had a lot of colleagues both from, you know, out here in the UC system, but also in the East Coast where I was you know, back at Mount Sinai that have, you know, gone to different practice types and struggled and came back to academia. I've had others that left academia that, you know, just found their, you know, happiness in the Kaiser system. Like, I, I really don't think we're talking about right versus wrong as opposed to fit. And I think that's, that's a, a really, you know, important conversation to have. I think coming at the academic side, you know, uh, why did, why did I take that path? So talking about sort of my fit, um, I struggled with wanting to manage people or practice. That was something I didn't necessarily uh, enjoy. Uh, it was something also I don't think we get a lot of, you know, training and education about, you know, throughout both residency and medical school. We don't, we never learn business, right? And I think that's that's an uh, uh, I think an under 
side that, you know, we, we really need to think about medicine as business. And I, I think we're not preparing trainees very well to go into the practice of medicine. And, and I think that's, that's a gap in education, but that's kind of part of the reasons that I sort of stayed in the academic space is that I wanted to be a part of those conversations, uh, where we were taking on education gaps, research gaps. I enjoyed the mentorship side. I liked working with the students and the residents and, and, uh, it's different at an academic center. Again, I don't think the academic centers have any monopoly over any of these things because you can find those in the community, but it is a place where they're all kind of together, right? You have derm path, you've got patch testing, you've got modes, you they're all kind of right there. And, and you can sort of simulate that to some degree in a large practice setting, but I think you can't simulate that educational space, uh, you know, from the basic scientists and the bench top being next to the clinicians and, and some of the unique collaborations that happen and you know, being at Rockefeller university was a huge impact for me. I mean, there's a place that has, you know, more Nobel prizes in medicine than any other institution. And, the innovation and the creativity and the discovery there was way beyond anything that I think you can really capture in a community because of, because of the integration of a system that brings these people that would have no business being near each other. So for me, that was, that was really an exciting interface, um, between the scientists and the epidemiologists and the clinicians. For me, there are still, you know, big mentors in medical dermatology that we still have these giants that are, that have been great and have sort of channeled and nurtured me through my career. And, and that's been positive. I've, there've been a lot of, you know, takeaways from that, that, uh, you know, I've enjoyed the publications I've enjoyed, you know, writing, I've enjoyed the grants, uh, you know, we, we helped develop new technologies that you know, are right now going through the SBIR funding, you know, with, with these advances for skin technology. So th these have been intellectually curious activities that, that I've enjoyed that I didn't necessarily feel that I would get, uh, in a community or a more of a, you know, practice group setting. Um, but, but again, I think there, there are some drawbacks I'm sure we, we can kind of get to that, but, but I think just to, you know, rebalance that, I, you know, we, we do know people that are unhappy in certain systems. And, and I think that's okay because every time you end up in a system or practice setting, you learn a little bit about your values. And I think part of this experience is to, to refine out what your values are so that you can present those to the person you're working with in a way that they can say, I understand your values. We, we can, we can sort of reinforce those and we can support those. And I think it's important to have good mentorship along the way, you know, as a resident to start to tease out what are those things that are going to make you happy. If you're a proceduralist and, and you just think and dream surgical dermatology, then you should definitely do that. If you're thinking about the next skincare line and, and that makes you happy, then we need those people. It's, it's, it's important for our patients. If you really just want to do general dermatology five days a week or two days a week, then and that's okay too. So I, I think, you know, I think Greg mentioned it, like you've got to find the thing to take care of yourself and just recognize that each of these practices offer something a little bit different. You're going to thrive when you're doing something that you enjoy. If you're trying to do something you don't enjoy, you're not going to thrive. And so try to find that thing through training and also try to find people 
that are doing something that you think you might want to do and spend time with that person and really understand. And, and that's what helped me because I had great mentors along the way, Jerry Kruger, who really sort of put uh, psoriasis on the map as an immune disease, really took me under his wing and, you know, gave me real good advice, good insights. He's remained a long-term friend. And, and I think we need to find those people. They don't have to be at your institution, uh, but you need those people that will have those difficult conversations, help you try to tease out a little bit of, you know, what is it that you are ultimately going to find the greatest satisfaction in? And then what is the practice setting that's going to allow that to nurture the most? So I'll stop there. Thank you again for joining us on the Future of Dermatology podcast. Residency mentorship is always a high priority of ours, and we always look forward to our annual residency panel. And a huge thanks to all the faculty members who always take part of this and impart their wisdom. Thank you again. 